The Last Word with Matt Cooper. So let's talk about this national risk assessment. The overview of strategic risks facing the country. You may say we have nothing to fear but fear itself. But there's a few things we have to have in mind. We've got Declan Power with us, uh, the security and defence analyst. We'll get to him in a minute. But first, Elaine Lachlan, political editor of the Irish Examiner. These risks break down into five main categories. What are they, please? Yes, and in total on that list, um, an almost annual uh, list of uh, risks that is provided and published by the government um, that was first published in 2014, Matt. Um, But we've 25 risks in this year's uh, report and they range from everything from the future direction of the EU to quite an obvious one now, inflation, um, housing, which was one of the ones that a number of years ago was first flagged by this group. Um, and then we have others around climate change, biodiversity, uh, chemical and nuclear threats, and also threats to our food security. Um, now, there's a number of, of, of items that are either new or certainly are given more attention um, in this year's report. And, and like I said, in years gone by, uh, the National Risk Assessment document was the first where issues were flagged, we Brexit, the housing shortages and pandemics were all amongst those things that in previous reports uh, we were warned about and, and of course came to pass. Um, but this year I think a notable one is, is around Northern Ireland and the fact that we don't have a sitting government or sitting assembly in Northern Ireland. Um, the report ris- uh, identifies that as the risks and, and says that there's while a very small minority, there is nonetheless a group there that are interested in disrupting the significant progress that has been made in Northern Ireland uh, since since peace and uh, since the Assembly uh, was established. And, and Elaine, we have the, the five main headlines are geopolitical risks, economic risks, societal risks, environmental risks mm-hmm. and technological risks. And I'm going to particularly talk to Declan Power about the geopolitical and the technological risks, which I think are linked. Uh, but the environmental ones are very interesting as well, because the obvious one of climate change, but also you have extreme weather events and other disasters getting their own section, biodiversity loss, pandemics, and we've already been through one, and to my, microbial resistance is an interesting separate one, and then food safety and security which raises the question is the government highlights all of these risks but what does it do about it? Yeah and in particular on the the item climate change it does say that it's not just going to be let's say a really hot hot holiday when you go to the continent Ireland will face increased risks of rising sea levels and coastal changes and flooding in the coming years and the report does warn the government that inaction or insufficient funding and progress will risk severely worsening the impacts of climate change on our way of life. Um, So it's really calling on government really to act now and with vigour and funding. Um, It does say as well that some communities will be more directly impacted by climate change. You can imagine perhaps uh, people who are living on a floodplain or beside the coast. And that actually could exacerbate issues around social cohesion and equality as well. Um, So they're multi-layered and multifaceted these uh, risks and do perhaps cross over into different areas. Um, I'm going to Declan Power on this because Declan, sometimes 
people from the outside look at things differently to the way we look at them from the inside. And the reason I say that is there's an interview with Leo Varadkar gone up on the Financial Times website today and it focuses on him admitting that Ireland must better defend its waters from potential Russian sabotage. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, isn't it? Because how often does that really get an outing here in Ireland, but actually maybe of more concern to people outside of the country? Yes, um, actually put your finger on something quite interesting there uh, that this report uh, highlights for us, and that is threat varies according to where you live. It varies according to your perspective. What is a threat to you may not be of the same level of threat to me. So I have to, I have to respond to the threat how it pertains to me rather than how it pertains to you. Uh, that report you're talking about, they're focused on the, the Russian issue in our waters. And there is an issue. Let's be quite clear about that. I've written about it myself. Um, but yeah, Because it, there are fears, as the Financial Times said, that the Russians could be mapping and monitoring international data transmission cables and gas pi- pipelines located in Irish waters. Yeah, uh, they're not uh, mapping. They've mapped. You can be sure that it's that's, done been already. Done. that's done already. And that's widely accepted in, uh, in, in European intelligence and security circles. However, <clears throat> with regards to our particular needs... We're not really in a position to set the agenda ourselves because we haven't we haven't invested the effort into this. And this uh, the report you you relate to puts the, puts your finger on a nub here. We need to better develop our gaze here. There are a number of things that the risk assessment has thrown up from food security, energy security, uh, lack of investment in the defence forces. I would say the biggest issue with regards to lack of investment in the defence forces is the danger of provocative weakness. Uh, not just Sorry, what is provocative, provocative weakness. Mean? is a concept in defence theory that you can invite, if not anything on a spectrum from a direct attack to unwanted attention because of the perceived lack of strength, the uh, the perceived lack of ability to protect your territory. Now, we fall into that category. Now, having said that, what are our needs? We have never clearly defined our needs. I think the national security, or rather uh, the risk assessment, points to us now producing a national security policy. And that national security policy at its core must define what threats are emerging with a view to Irish needs. And they can vary from hard-edge threats that will need some sort of a defence capacity, some of it homegrown, some of it that we'll be able to manage uh, in cooperation with neighbours, but also other things. For example, you mentioned the direction of Europe, the direction of the European Union. Are we getting out ahead and horizon scanning as to how that may affect us well, with regards Jackson, to policy? You see, this FT piece as well has in its introduction Varadkar denying claims that the country's long-standing military neutrality meant it was freeloading off its strategic partners, which makes me wonder of all of the risks that are in this document, how many do we actually take care of ourselves rather than expecting others to do it for us? Well, externally, we have very, very little in lines of apparatus uh, our configuration, our strategy to do anything with regards to defence. But that's not different to a lot of other small countries. What we need to do is to actually stop doing things on an ad hoc basis and have slightly more formal structures. We don't have to go joining an alliance. We, you know, The recent uh, discussions in the international security forums showed up one thing, that there uh, there are certain key areas that are particular to us that we need to have uh, architecture in place. We can learn lessons from our Scandinavian neighbours who developed what was known as the Nordic Defence Cooperation System, which didn't impinge. At the time, uh, Sweden and Finland 
were uh, pursuing a policy of neutrality, but it didn't stop them cooperating with their neighbours. And we, we, we do that anyway, but we do it in a, an unjoined up way. And we now have accepted, and the government have accepted, that there are things in this country, the foreign direct investment uh, tech industry, the uh, cyber domain, the undersea cables and other inst- external in, uh, offshore installations that we need to protect. But then there are the broader aspects. And I think uh, with regards to political policy and political risk that may be coming our way that has been caused by the upheavals of the war in Ukraine. And one of the things that I would be saying, I said this earlier to somebody that asked me about it today, <clears throat> the need to invest uh, to invest wisely. For example, with regards to defence, we don't need to buy jet fighters. That is a bit beyond our capacity. But we do need to invest in primary radar, pool our resources with our near neighbour who we have a common interest with. Another thing we can do and invest in is... The National Security Analysis uh, entity that was set up has been largely allowed wither on the vine. We need a horizon scanning capacity that has an Irish focus, that of course we work in concert with our European partners, but we need to have an Irish gaze. And we should be thinking about defining and developing an Irish national security and intelligence organisation. Is this made more difficult by Britain being outside the European Union? Uh, It it complicates it, but it doesn't have to because the PESCO uh, structure, the PESCO architecture... So what's PESCO? PESCO is the permanent structured cooperation system that was developed by the European Union that allows clusters of European Union nations and what are known as third countries come together and uh, cooperate on defence-related projects. It could be to purchase a ship, as the Benelux countries have done. It could be to engage in air defence as we could do with the UK and France, for and, example. And, and the UK still participating in that despite not being part of the European Union? As, I, as far as I'm aware, the UK are participating in a number of PESCO-related projects. And the fact that they're outside of the European Union doesn't preclude them as a third nation from being able to cooperate with the European Union on a range of defence-related matters. And for our point of view, what's interesting is that architecture exists. We are signed up to PESCO, (coughs) but we don't really utilise it. We have been very conservative and slow in getting to grips with what is of benefit to us. I would say part of that is a squeamishness and part of that is an ignorance. Uh, And this is something that the forums have shown up. And and one thing that I would say, our our, uh, lamented president, who I disagreed with his statements before the forums, he talked about a a lamentable drift, if you like, or a dangerous drift. Now, I disagree with the direction because the drift isn't an issue about joining NATO or not. That's a a sort of an old-fashioned argument, to be quite honest. But there is a sense of drift with regards to how we manage not just national security, but national strategic concerns. We're not in a position, I would argue, to set objectives. So we need to get back to thinking about framing a national security policy so we understand what's of relevance to us and then see what are the tools we need. And one thing I would say, just to finish up, Matt, the Azure Forum published a paper by the intelligence academic, the English intelligence academic, David Strachan-Morris, and it talked about the lack of an Irish a national intelligence agency. If we were to invest a small amount of time and effort into developing something like that, we would have a bespoke arrangement that would allow us to protect ourselves much more effectively without having recourse to others all of the time. Just to finish with you, Elaine Lachlan, Declan talks about time and effort, but an awful lot of what's on this document will cost money. Are there any estimates given as to how to mitigate the risk across the 25 categories? This will be up for government who, uh, uh, and obviously the, the finance minister and minister for public expenditure as well, who are now drafting a budget uh, to decide where to put the, the public finances and how to address these. What are 
majority, medium to long term, obviously some of them uh, could be short term and could come upon us overnight like we had with the COVID pandemic, but others will be no more than climate change and even um, upping the investment in our defence capability will be something that will be done over a number of years. And I think to go back to that, the report does uh, highlight the fact that we're, we have one of the lowest levels of investment in our military and defence capabilities in the EU. So perhaps that is an area where the government should be thinking of spending its money in the upcoming budget and in budgets to come. Elaine Lachlan, political editor of the Irish Examiner, Declan Power Security and Defence Analyst. Thank you both. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.